Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Thank you so much for your always wonderful hospitality and it's our privilege to be here and be with you and love on you today and and just share our hearts with you. Pamela and I are, are again, privileged to be here, and, and we were able to be at Candace's wedding, and uh, that's a, that was exciting, and we were blessed to uh, be part of that, and so Dave and Julie are empty nesters, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. We're actually empty nesters. All my kids aren't married yet. I have four children. We have four children. Uh, our oldest is Brittany. Our youngest is Joseph, and he's the only one that's not married. Everyone, all the rest of them are married, so we got one more to go, and then we'll be uh, good to go. Then we'll be empty nesters. So, uh, but we uh, we always like to be here with Dave and Julie, and and uh, with Earl and Leanne, Pastor Earl, and we're going to spend some time with them. But it's always a blessing to to be with the man of God and to be able to glean and. And, and pull from their hearts what God's deposited in them, the rich treasures over the years. And so that's always a blessing. And it's always, always a blessing to be here with Stephen and Jane. How many know what it's like to just connect with somebody? That you know when you do. And it takes some intentionality. It takes some, some vulnerability. But... Steve and Jane and Pamela and I have, have connected. We've heard each other's hearts in, in ways that I think are very, very significant. And we love the heart that we see of God in them for you, for the people of this city, for people in general. How many know that's a God thing? That's a, that's a God thing. And so we're privileged to know them and and it's an amazing thing to feel loved that that's an awesome thing and often you feel loved when you feel like you belong and someone makes you feel welcome and so we feel like we belong amen okay yeah praise god so thank you for having us been meditating on on a few things you can go to Luke chapter 15, and many of you know those parables that Jesus gives us. But before we read that, I want to talk about a few things. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Father, may we not simply talk about you, but may we be with you today. And so we welcome you, we welcome your Holy Spirit to Speak to our hearts like only you can, Lord, to touch the deepest places of who we are, of who you know us to be. So, God, we, we welcome you to be with us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many know that uh, God's everywhere? That's the omnipresence of God. But that's different than the abiding presence of God. And I think sometimes we make a mistake in trying to get God to come down. God's here. 
And I love the way some theologians describe it. Hell is locked from the inside. In other words, we're the resisting force to God, to his love, to his thoughts towards us. It makes me think of, of this word called recursion. It's, it's actually a mathematical term. I shared it with a group of pastors one time, and, and I got an email back from one of them and said, man, you taught on recursion, and it changed my life. What does it mean again? <laughs> but he's kind of a jokester, so hopefully I can uh, make sense of it. But recursion is a mathematical term, but it's a beautiful metaphor for the idea of the Trinity and relationships. How many know God is relationship? He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He lives in perfect unity, harmony. And one of the ways theologians have studied the idea of the Trinity is recursion. When I was a little boy, my dad took me to Red's Barber Shop. That was my first remembrance of the idea of recursion. And in Red's Barber Shop, there's Barber chairs on one side. You've probably been in a place like this. Barber chairs on the other side. And there's what? There's two mirrors on either side. And when you look into those mirrors, it's like you can see forever. Do you know what I'm talking about? That you just see a reflection of a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. That is, begins to give us a description of how the persons of the Trinity see intimately into one another. Never-ending, recursive depth. We all like the word intimacy. In, to, me, see. What does the Father see in the Son? What does the Son see in the Father? The Spirit in the Son and in the Father. They see into each other purely and in infinite depths. But that is what God has called us into. He's called us to be caught up in him, in the life that he experiences of perfect knowing of one another. Pastor Earl used this scripture at the, at the wedding yesterday, 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. It says, now we look into a mirror dimly, but then we shall be known just as we are known. In other words, there's intimate knowledge about you within the heart of God, that God knows you. Recursion in a relationship sense is when I know that you know that I know. Let me say it again. It's when Steve knows, when I, sorry, when I know that Steve knows, are you with me? That I know. In other words, there's something that we see into one another. God intends us to see him, see into him. How do we see into him? Well, that is the beautiful reality, and it is a reality of the incarnation, that Jesus becomes flesh and dwells among us to reveal the heart of the Father. There's a scripture in Matthew 11. It says, no one knows, this is Jesus speaking. He says, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And to whom the Son 
reveals. You know, often we get our theology bad, wrong, when we think Jesus has come to save us from a wrathful judge. Jesus has come to reveal the heart of the Father. He is passionate about that. When we begin to see the Gospels in that light, when we begin to see the Gospels, that Jesus' mission was to reveal the heart of Father God to people. Our ideas about God affect everything in our lives. How we see God is the most important thing about us. And so I have to ask myself and remind myself, Greg, how are you seeing God? Are you seeing him accurately? Are you seeing him for who he really is? Or is it projection? Because projection is when Steve tells me who he thinks I am and who he thinks me to be, and I'm going like, no, no, no. That's, That's projection. You know, there was a study done in marriages, and over time, husbands and wives felt like they knew each other. So over time, they, the, their certainty of knowing each other went up. The reality is that it went down, that they stopped knowing each other. They stopped seeing each other. They stopped treating each other like a holy mystery, and all of a sudden, they put up a facade because they had to protect themselves or guard themselves. And so when you put the facade up in front of the mirror, what happens? There's no into me see anymore. And it happens for many, many different reasons. But that's the idea of having a recursive relationship. When, when I understand that it's my privilege to enter into the mystery of knowing Pamela, to know her. In other words, I'm not feeling like I already know her. Got her, taking, you know, I told you I loved you at the wedding day, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> how, how many know that there's, there's an infinite amount of knowing that needs to take place between a husband and a wife? And as soon as we set ourselves up to know, right, that's what Jesus said, beware, right, of the leaven of the Pharisees and the they they thought they knew and it stopped this awesome mystery of being known you shall be known just as you are known that how many know that that is a recursively infinite dynamic that takes place between hearts that begin to know the infinite creator and from knowing the infinite creator begin to know one another in that holy mystery how many know we have not got God figured out. There's things to be certain about God. Absolutely be certain. Jesus came in the flesh to reveal the heart of the Father. He certainly suffered, certainly died, certainly rose again. Those are certainties. Those are realities. Those aren't philosophies. Those are realities that I can trust in. That's why the doctrine of the Trinity is so important that God really came in the flesh so I can know him. I can know him. I can begin to know him. How many know if God didn't want to be known, forget about it. But, but here's the massive, beautiful gospel. God wants to be known. Nobody's gone to the extents 
to be known like God has gotten, gone to be known. He created a creation. We were at my sister's the other day stargazing. How do you look at the stars and go, yeah, it just happened? No, it's an infinite place created by a creator to create a moment for you and I, a beginning place, a starting place that we can begin to know God and begin to know ourselves. Do you remember, and hopefully we'll get to Luke chapter 15. uh, Do you remember when Jesus is coming on the scene? He just was baptized. Now remember at his baptism, what happened? The heavens opened. The same phrase, the same word that the heavens were torn apart. It's the same idea as when the, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. In other words, Jesus has come to reveal what it means to be truly human. Because remember, Jesus was not only the son of God, he was the son of what? Of man. That was his favorite phrase for himself. You know, God didn't come to prove anything. It was not necessary for him to come. It was necessary for us for him to come. And what does that reveal of the heart of God? That he doesn't need us in that sense. He wants us. That's massively bigger, grander, more beautiful. But at his baptism, something is being revealed. What's being revealed? The heavens open. The Father speaks, this is my son in whom I delight. And the Holy Spirit descended. You see what Jesus has come to reveal. You see his mission His mission is to reveal what it means to be truly human, to be loved by the Father, to live in an open heaven knowing that I'm loved by him, that I'm cared for by him. But we struggle with that. Or let me just say, I struggle with that. I struggle with the knowledge that God has about me. In Luke chapter 15, if you remember the story, Here Jesus is ministering. Who's he ministering to? It says here in these first verses, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. He speaks three parables, and he speaks them for a very specific reason, because these people were there. The tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near. That God's creation, his creatures, had a sense that life's got to be more than this. Like, I don't know, I'm not getting it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever felt like life is meaningless? Sinking into depression? That is the human experience, by the way. That isn't uh, an isolated person struggling with whatever. That is the human condition outside of God. They were drawing near. There There was something in Jesus. There was something that Jesus knew that he was overflowing with. He was passionate about revealing the heart of the Father. When we begin to read the Gospels in that light, it changes everything. In other words, Jesus is tasting of something he's tasting of something and that reminds me christian we got a video i want to show you okay tasting jiff peanut butter is like tasting peanut butter for the first time what in the world 
every time. Oh, come on! Son of a bark! <laughs> Holy nut butter. Jif peanut butter. Over 1,300 quality peanuts in every jar. Taste the difference. Now, now me and my daughter are uh, peanut lovers, peanut butter lovers. So we, uh, we can't even describe how much we love peanut butter. But we love peanut butter. Well, this... Hopefully you didn't feel like that was sacrilegious. <laughs> because we're talking about the knowledge that Jesus has within him that he's trying to convey to us. So Psalm 34 says, taste and see that what the Lord is good. It wasn't taste and see that the Lord is wrathful, vengeful. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I venture to say... Everybody in this room has had a taste. Have you been there? Where you go like, <laughs> where you go, holy nut butter. <laughs> this is real. God's real. God's really real. And it's like tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. But Psalm 37 says, feed on his faithfulness. How many know God never intended you to taste one time? We get little tiny glimpses of who God is, and it's like, holy nut butter, you are amazing, God. But what is happening in that moment? What's happening in that moment? I'm knowing something that God knows. There's something in the heart of God that he's trying to get across to us. And when you know that, You've had a GIF moment. We're to live from that. Live from the reality. Live from the really real. But you say, Pastor, like, yeah, I don't know if you're in my reality. But what is the really real? This world that's passing away? The flower that fades? The grass that withers? What is the really real? It's what Jesus came to reveal. Where he has come to catch us up in his life through his death, through his resurrection, to bring us into the life that he enjoys. Listen, Jesus is like holy nut butter every day, all day long. He is massively in love with the Father. And the Father is massively in love with the Son. And that is the Holy Spirit. That manifestation, the love between the Father and the Son, some theologians describe it as, is the Holy Spirit. I know, it's like, uh, I can't figure out the Trinity. No, because it's a mystery. It's holy relationship. It's the way I treat my wife. My wife should treat me. We should treat each other with respect in how the holy mystery of God has created us to be imago Dei, made in his image. To begin to experience knowing and being known. What a massive, but, but see, this, this is what Jesus is absolutely ecstatic about transmitting to people. So here are these sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees. And he tells three parables for the sake of time. I'll just paraphrase them. Every single parable, all three parables, what is the theme behind every one of the parables? So the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost sons. What's the theme behind them all? 
It's the joy of the father when the sheep is, the joy of the shepherd, when the sheep is found, come and rejoice with me. Jesus is trying to describe to the sinners and to the Pharisees the heart of the father. Like when one sheep comes home, when one sheep comes home, the father rejoices just like a shepherd would. And when a lost coin is found, it's like we rejoice because it's found. Well, you know, I can see people walking away from that going, you know, like when he was talking, when Jesus was talking, like, I, I don't know, it was, it was, it was weird. It's like, it was like I was the lost sheep. It is like I was the one. How many know that person's having a gif moment? Like I felt significant. Have you ever let God, and here's the key word, let God show you how significant you are to him? The lost coin. We rejoice over the lost coin. You know, somebody else might walk away going, like, you know, I was listening to that guy talk, and I just felt dignity, a value. I, I, I don't know exactly what, how to describe it, but there's, he's having a gif moment. I need to go. My lips are sticking together. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a GIF moment. Have you ever had that like, too much peanut butter and you can't, can't open? Yeah. That's a GIF moment. That's good. Steve, you're paying attention. Um, the value, the dignity. How I many you know people were walking away? Could you imagine sitting in the crowd and Jesus is talking? That really happened, man. I guess not some fantasy, some idea of Jesus is speaking. The very heart of God, when Jesus can say, when you see me, you see the Father. When you see my heart, you see his heart. How do we ever get that mixed up in our theology? You know, we can be, and sorry, I kind of rabbit trail, but we we can be guilty of preaching a, a fatherless Jesus, and yet Jesus is all about the Father. He's all about transmitting the knowing within the heart of God into his imago Dei, those made in his image. But we start with the fall. That's where we start with our theology. We start with the fall. We start with it was bad, it's really bad, it's really bad, it's messed up. It's brutal. And listen, we live in that reality. Greg lives in that reality of messed upness. But it didn't start there. It didn't start with it was bad. It's bad. It's really bad. It started with it's good. It's good. It's really good. Now, what, what was he talking about? Yeah, creation. But he was talking about his prize possession, you. Out of the very heart of God, it said Jesus, out of the very bosom of the Father, John chapter 1, he comes, right? Jesus comes from the very heart of God. Where do you come from? Where where is your come from place? Where is your origin? It's good. It's really good. When God thought of you, the one, the value he placed in you, he delighted in it. He dances over it. He sings over it. He's going like, this is amazing. The goodness I see in my son and my daughter. That's amazing. Now we're starting to get a little tiny glimpse of what Jesus is trying to 
it's beyond words. Like, you can't describe it. It's indescribable, but we just stand around and talk about it and try to describe it. But you have to taste and see. You got to taste and see. And you get that holy nut butter kind of taste it for the first time. Every time. Over and over and over again. And then there's the parable. And they call it the parable of the prodigal son. But it's actually, that's incorrect. It's a father had two sons. He began to, to describe the first son. But here's the parable of the two sons. He begins with the younger son. And the younger son wants his inheritance. You, you all know it. And it's as if he says, I can't wait for you to die, father. I can't wait for you to die. Give me my inheritance. I'm out of here. And if you go into the history of it and the understanding of it, it was a, this is a huge deal. If you, if you remember what Jewish people valued, they valued the land. He just divides it up, has to give it to the son, and, and he goes and squanders it all. He goes to a far country. He takes his talents, his treasures, his gifts, and he goes to a far country. Let me say it again. He takes his talents and treasures and gifts, and he goes into a far country. What's the far country? It's away from the home of the father. It's away from the heart of the father. I become the prodigal son every time I take my time, treasure, talents, and treat them like somehow they derived from me instead of giving thanks to my creator who's the one that can show me how it all works but even more so how he can lavish his love on me how many know god did not create you to do things he didn't create you to to be a robot he didn't create you to do a job i got a job for you to do so i got to create some people to do the job for me that's not why god created us he created us for relationship. He created us to be with us. And so the son has an aha moment. He starts reminiscing back. He's, you know, you guys know the story, so I'm not going through all the details and I'm not going to read it. He squanders his whole livelihood in a terrible way. And then he gets this, comes to his senses moments, and he starts thinking about his father. Well, about... Five times, I think it is, four or five times, he uses the word father, my father's house. I'm going to return to my father. And how many know from the far country back to the father's house, there's an internal conversation going on, a preoccupation with what you think the father thinks. Come on, somebody. Are you with me here? There's this internal Conversa have you ever had those internal conversations? You're about to go talk to somebody and you have about 18 different conversations before you ever have the conversation. How I many know most of that is projection? Most of that is assuming what the other person thinks or feels. But the son, the younger son, has a little tiny glimpse enough to draw him back. And he comes, and he comes with this, like, I'm not worthy I'm not worthy. I am not worthy kind of attitude. He's got this scripting. How I many know he's got to be on the planet a little while and all of a sudden you're going to get a scripting in your head. Your parents told you you were stupid. Your teachers told you you were stupid. And 
That's who you are, is what they say you are, what your circumstances say you are. You know, I just had this conversation, this, this journey. I just had this journey just the other day. I did something that was stupid, that I felt was stupid. I'm not even so sure that God thought it was stupid, but I thought it was stupid. Like, I just thought, this is stu- how could you do that? You know better than that. You would teach other people not to do that. You've preached on this. And this wasn't a moral issue. This was just a decision. But I got this, I got this wrestling. I had such a hard time. I'm just being transparent with you. I had such a hard time believing that my father was with me. Because the stupid thing I did became the stupid person I was, or I felt like I was. How many know we are the prodigal son anytime we let our hearts drift away from how the father really feels about them? Think about this. Any good father, any good mother, where do they want to be when their kids think they made a stupid decision? Where do they want to be? condescendingly up here, you know, looking down their nose, you know, well, you're going to have to figure that one out on your own. You're just going to have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps is the way I did it. Now, hey, we've all been guilty of transmitting that kind of image to people. But see, now remember what Jesus is doing. He's trying to transmit the Father's heart. How does the Father feel about us when we do do stupid things or we do waste our lives or we do whatever, how's it, how does the Father feel towards us? Well, he's always looking our way. So from afar off, he sees and he comes running. How many know we do not find God, God finds us? Always, every time, he's with us. The Bible teaches us that you can go to the depths of hell and God's there. God's one choice away. I remember, I, I don't know if this, but I, this stupid decision, again, I'm preoccupied with this. How many know this journey from, from the far country to God is filled with preoccupations about what I think and feel? It's filled with that. Well, I woke up in the middle of the night, and, and I don't know if this happens to you, but you know, it's like 2 o'clock, I'm sleeping for a couple hours, and I just woke up, and boom, that thought's on my mind. And I'm like... And I get up and I go to another room and start to pray, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, you, you cry out to God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I mean, the waves of shame, condemnation, whatever you want to call it, they just come. I, I didn't ask for them. Didn't even invite them, right? But they just, they just come in waves. But in the midst of the waves, there's this, you know what I'm going to say? This still, small voice, subtle, subtle, just as small as a seed and as subtle as a whisper. Greg, you're making way too big a deal of this. It's what you're making of this. Now, how would I feel? How would I feel if I was like Jesus that says, everything the Father has, now this was a financial decision, okay? Everything the Father has is mine. That's how Jesus lived. Like everything the Father has is mine. And I'm stressing over 
And yet the whisper saying, I got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Will you dare to believe that? Will you be dare to live from that and not for it? Let me say it again. Will you dare to live from the reality of how God really feels about me? Because that changes everything. That's fearless living. Who can intimidate a son, a daughter who lives from that come from place? And he comes and he, he falls on his son and kisses him and, and just, you, know, you can imagine the reunion. And he doesn't even get to say, I'm not unworthy. And you guys know the story. You probably heard it preached numbers of times, so I'm just hitting the highlights. But he doesn't even get to say, I'm not unworthy. He just said, Father, I, I, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then his father just falls on him. Have you ever been around a father, a friend, a relationship that just asks no questions? It's like, you've come home. You're home. What else have we got to talk about? You're home, man. You're home. You're mine. You don't clean yourself up before you take a bath. You just jump in. And he puts the robe on him, right? Puts the ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. How many know you can't go anywhere and transmit this kind of love unless you've tasted of it first? That's what the sandals, I think, are all about. And that robe of righteousness, you know, I love this term in terms of righteousness, as it should be. Righteousness that God gives you is as it should be. It's as Chris is in the heart of God. Now, that's living out of reality. But see, we tend to see each other's facades, don't we? And we put them up for people, you know, on Facebook and all those different things. We live out of a facade rather than the real me. Yeah, I was going to say that about Peter earlier, you know, and then I went off. Sorry, but you remember when Jesus first met Peter, he said, you shall, you're Simon, you shall be called Peter. What's Jesus saying? He's going like, I know you. You don't even know you, but I know you. You shall be called Peter. Then Matthew 16, right? They say, who do men say that I am? Oh, they say this, this, this. Then, but who do you to say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, my father, which is in heaven. You just had a recursive GIF moment there, Peter. And because you know who I am, you are Peter. You are Peter. And on this rock, on this rock, on this knowing and being known reality of who God is and who we are, love God with all our hearts, our own strength, love our neighbor as ourselves. This, this, is, this is what it's all about. It's not complicated. It's just like super intense and deep and amazing. It's simply described in a seed, but it's profoundly grown for eternity. But that's not the whole story, right? Like now we get to this scary part for all of us in the church, because he's not only talking to the sinners, he's talking to the Pharisees. Where is the elder son? Well, he's not at home either. He's out working, right? And then when he comes home, he hears this party going on and he's embittered and resentful and yet he's lived with his father and he will not come in. He will not join the joy that's in the father's heart. And why is that? 
How many know this side of us? There's, there's a prodigal side of every one of us in here. And there's the elder son in every one of us. This elder son side is a lot more difficult to see. But it comes out in judgmentalism, in resentment, in bitterness. I talked to a beautiful friend of mine, beautiful man of God, love him dearly, but disillusioned with his marriage, with his children, with his job, with his walk with God. He even said these words like, you know, how about a heads up, God? Like, like I didn't expect this. How many of those, those are signs and symptoms of an elder son that we all find ourselves struggling with? Like, God, I did this and I got that. One, one son has thought he's lost it all and he's living in shame and disillusionment. This one is living for, he's living for the father's love. I, 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 like, I did all this. I, I, I never disobeyed. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you go, God, I did what you told me to do and I got caught in a storm? Like, this one's tough. This one's tougher because there's, we're all recovering Pharisees that are in the church. We all are. But see, see, if you live in the GIF moment, though, that's a different deal. That's a different deal. Because if this elder son was going like, man, my father loves me. He loves me. He's like crazy in love. Everything that the father says to him, everything I have is yours. Why are you doing this? And what happened? What happened? Who came to who? Who came to who in the story? The father comes out to the son and he says, come on in here. You got to experience the joy that I have, that my son has returned and you're my son. You are the same. You're uniquely loved by your heavenly father. I mean, I don't know if we can get any farther away than be in the father's house and not open to the father's love. You know, I'll never forget, uh, somebody's asking a pastor's wife about, her husband, and said, you know, why is he so generous? He's always giving money away. He's always giving stuff away. And she says, you know, he just hasn't gotten over getting saved yet. <laughs> I tell you, he's living in the GIF moment. But it's a taste and see all the time. Like, I mean, he's good. He's really good. He's better than you thought. I don't care what kind of taste you've had. He's way better than that. He's beyond what we ask, think, and imagine. Now, remember what we talked about when we began. It's it's not who God is, it's who we think he is that's the problem. That how we think about God affects everything else. Everything else. It affects how we treat God. It affects how we treat our neighbors, our husbands, our wives, our children, people at the workplace. What if we tasted of how much God deeply, passionately loves us and he falls on us? He falls on us. You know, that word fall, let me just throw this in here. That verb, there's a number of verbs when we go to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a number of verbs that are used to talk about being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, what is the Spirit of God? What is the Holy Spirit? And again, this is incomplete, right? This is an incomplete statement. But the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son, are you with me? What we are baptized into, he said, go make disciples, baptizing them, immersing them into the reality of the Father, Son, and Spirit. 
That's not just dipping somebody and getting them wet. It's immersing them into the life of the Trinity, the love that they enjoy, the intimacy that they enjoy, the reality that they enjoy. That's why Jesus came to make a way for us to taste and see the life that he experiences, the knowing and being known. That verb, that verb, there's a numbers of verbs. Go through the book of Acts, for example, number of verbs for being filled with the Spirit. There's a there's one in Acts chapter 10. Remember Cornelius? He's a Gentile. Doesn't belong. But God sends Peter to him. And Peter begins to preach the gospel. And while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. That's the same verb that's used when the father ran to the son and fell on him. That the father's love just captured them, raptured them, caught them up and it's like nothing else matters. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? We're like nothing else matters. God's got this, got me. It's good. You cannot thank God. God can work all things, all things, all things together for the good, for those who love him. Now listen, see again, from our works mentality is, oh, I gotta love him, I gotta love him. No, no, you just have to respond back to him. It's more of a response, right? We didn't love him first, right? In this is love, not that we loved him, 1 John 4, but that he loved us and gave himself. Ours is simply a response, that we just simply love him back. That you let yourself taste and see that the Lord is good, that he's really good. That's what happens when you meet together on Sundays and other times in your quiet time, other, is the Holy Spirit comes to fall on you, to give you another taste and see. And whether you're journeying from a far country or whether you're struggling with bitterness and resentment of how things did or didn't work out, how many know your best days, your best days are ahead of you? There's no question. My mom just passed away. Jackie and I just um, did a couple of memorial services, honored the life that she lived. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, I, I have been comforted with the reality that her best days are ahead of her. Two years from now, 10 years from now, a thousand years from now, a billion years from now, She's living in the reality of knowing and being known. She's free. What if we lived from that place? What if that was our come from place? What if we could allow ourselves to be with him no matter where we find ourselves on the journey? Find God's heart let his heart now again i say find his heart it's like you know we got to go find no i'm I'm saying just 
hell's locked from the inside. Right? I'm laying in my bed, stressing and fretting, and, and God's knocking, right? Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Just open your, open your hearts. You start to realize, man, how could I sweat this when I have him? Now, again, this is incomplete. Every message is incomplete, right? It's what we do with it. It's where we go with it. It's where we allow ourselves. Let the love of God dwell in our hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly by singing. So why don't we all stand? And hopefully we can just receive another GIF moment of how God really feels about you, how he really feels about me. And then then we'll have something to give because there's nothing we have that we didn't first receive. Nothing. There ain't nothing we have that we did not first receive. And many of us stay bitter and resentful prideful because we don't let ourselves receive. That's what worship can do is can catch us up in the Son by the Spirit into the heart of the Father. Worship is this gift from God that brings us into a place where our hearts are communing with Him. It's just a holy mystery. It's like, God, you're so good. But we have to push away the distractions, the voices, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, and let ourselves be empowered by the Spirit. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in that love. One of the greatest revelations we can gain is that Father God loves us just like He loves Jesus. In the high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus says, Father, help them to know that you love them like you love me. That is absolutely mind-blowing. When we let ourselves, when we abide there, when we let ourselves have those moments with God, and they can happen anywhere, in the car, in the shower. I remember I had a massive GIF moment in a car dealership waiting for my vehicle. I was actually listening to this song my earphones and it's like that is who I am that is who I am that's who I am I'm loved by him father I thank you for every child within this room that you so deeply massively eternally love you so love that you gave your son to reveal your heart and by your spirit you're catching us up into the love that you enjoy 
the identity, the significance, the eternal life that you enjoy. So God, I, I consecrate every heart, mind, and soul. I pray when the winds of adversity come, and they will come, Lord, may they find their secret place. May they find the sweet whisper of your voice declaring that they're loved, they're cared for, and that they would take steps of faith, steps of faith, being thankful and grateful for the reality of who you are and who we are in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 